Hello and welcome to Everyday Music People. Before I start the show, there's normally a bit where I correct errors from previous shows. I normally average about one error a week, but I haven't made any errors this week. I think I've got lucky because John did the last show that was out, so it's more luck than judgment, to be fair. So having said that, the last couple have recorded, I think I've been okay. But if you find anything wrong with any of them, as always, I will encourage you to let us know and I will happily correct myself. Okay, this week's a really cool one for me because as a drummer, I'm about to introduce literally one of my favorite drummers of all time. Um, he is in a band that I would say are one of the best UK Open brackets, RIP, close brackets. Oh, nice. Bands. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, I did, yeah. One of the greatest UK bands in the last 30 years, I would say, definitely. Wow. And what I would say about this is when we do the playlist, before I introduce this guy, when when, when we do the playlist, what I'm going to do for this one is put a – we call them deep, cut, deep cuts these days, the kids, don't we? I'm going to put a deep cut in off every album because you need to hear some album tracks if you ain't heard them, off every album in order. So, Okay. It gives me um, great privilege to introduce Matthew Priest from Dodgy. Hello, Matthew, and welcome to Everyday Music People. It's a pleasure to be here, Martin. What we normally ask people, Matthew, at the moment is, um, where are you situated? I mean, everyone's locked down, but have you found somewhere cosy in the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've um, I'm 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 just down in Cornwall right now because um, my dad's not too well, so I'm I'm just uh, down here helping my mum. Um, right down in Senn and Co, right near Lands End, and I just found out this evening that um, uh, an author, uh, uh, a lady called Mary Butts, Mary Betts, um, I'm sure you you'll get co- corrected by your literary audience, Martin. Yeah. But um, she was part of the Bloomsbury set back in the twenties, and okay. she was a bit of a raver. I think um, she she was with uh, Alistair Crowley and did all that stuff. And uh, wow, really? She used to get uh, well. Basically, she she had this house built for her back in the twenties, and uh, she died here as well. In fact, she died in this very room. You joke. So if you get some ghostly voices going on, it's Mary Betts, the author from the Bloomsbury set. She used to have laudanum sent down to Penzance Station um, oh. so she could get off her tits uh, down here in Selling Cove. So that's the vibe that I'm in right there, Martin. Wow. I mean, I remember <laughs> going past that. I mean, J- Jimmy Page was into Alistair Crowley, and I remember going past Loch Ness and seeing his old house there and getting a proper vibe off that. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, you're, not, you're not dressed um, in an Alistair Crowley kind of way in a robe, are you, Matthew? What are you dressed like? I, I always dress as a goth. Um, I yeah. dress, dress as a goth. Um, that's my kind of lounge style. When I okay. go out, I sort of dress sort of normal in a hoodie and jeans. But when I'm at home to relax, I put on white makeup, um, sort of dye my hair black, and, and wear lots of lace. So have you got like you've got black lipstick on like that? Yeah, like, yeah. Like that girl off Curry. Black fingernails. That's what I do. Nice. Yeah. That's that's how I roll. Fantastic. So we're in Cornwall dressed as a goth. Yeah, yeah, man. This is brilliant. Okay. Well, let's talk about the music through your life then. When you're a kid, the philosophy we've got on this show is you either pick it up from like, if you're a younger um, sibling, you normally soak this up from like an older brother or sister, or it's normally something that you ingest from your, your, your parents. So can you tell us about the first music that you were, you were aware of as a child? Yeah, yeah. Now, now the thing is, I, I know I've sent these um, choices over to you as well, so yeah. I might have to be reminded. But this one I do remember because it's the first ever thing I remember. 
Um, so I was born in 1970, um, and I remember the first the first couple of records on the radio um, was one was Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks. That's the one you put. Yeah, and and the other one was Billy Don't Be a Hero by Paper Lace, I think. And two of them just stuck out for some reason. Uh, but, but yes, Season of the Sun, I think it's kind of like, um, I think it's adapted from a French song. It's typical French to be to, to have a death song, but I think it's a song about death and and missing this person. And But I just remember it had a real impact on me when I was a kid. I was only about three or four. Have you um, listened to it recently? No. No, but I think I, I do remember it being. I do remember for the last time I heard it, it must have been a few years ago, that it'd been um, a real, quite dramatic, good song. I remember it being. No, like, this is this is my point because when I was revising for your show, I mean, I know we, we everyone knows the chorus, don't they? You know, I didn't analyze the lyrics on this, so I don't know about the death bit. But I just remember thinking on the build-up to the chorus when I had it on, listening to it, I thought, shit, this is good. Yeah, I yeah. actually, I think it stands up. I think it's a good song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. a lot of them do. This is the thing. A lot. I mean, there was a lot of shite. But, but I mean, the, the 70s, I think, is such an interesting era. It, it really is. I mean, this is the problem with music, is it goes into decades, you know what yeah. I mean? And it shouldn't, you know what I mean? Because, you know what I mean? You think of the 60s and then you think of the 70s, and it shouldn't be because 68 and 71, three years apart, but you think of a track, an album released in the 70s as from the 70s. I do anyway, and I shouldn't. You have to define, you have to pigeonhole things in some way to get a definition, though, I think. But you're right. I mean, like, funnily enough, I was thinking about how to describe Dodgy when we talk about them in a bit. And I was thinking, well, we'll, we'll get on to that. But, I mean, you, you do, just to form a discussion, I think you need yeah, some exactly. form of definition, exactly. I would say. But, but I do agree with you. I do but the point about the 70s is, is that you think it, within that 10 years, you think about the... Ah, the fads, not the fads, the crazes, the sounds, the mm. styles of music that came from, um, you know, from Motown, you know, the Motown and psychedelic, yeah. psychedelic music at the start of the seventies, and then through psychedelic soul and glam rock and funk and uh, you know pop rock and garage, uh, you know, and, and disco, and then punk, and then post-punk, and Northern Soul. And you think about all these things, I mean, they came and went. I think you probably, the 70s is probably the most dynamic, the way you've just described it there, and I've never really thought about yeah. it like that, it's probably the most dynamic decade. That's a very good word, Martin. You, you, one would think the 60s if you don't analyse it, but you think you're bang right, isn't it? There's so much going on in the 70s. Well, the 60s was so new still. It was all so very yes. new. Yes. Uh, you know, the, 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 everyone was finding their feet. But the 70s, style started to happen, like glam rock and disco and funk. And and, and it's happened all so quickly and everything was rammed into that. And you think about, like, compared to the last sort of 20 years even, you know what I mean? It's, it's like... You know, but the things that were constant in the seventies were things like these, were things like pop, you know, like Seasons of the Sun, like ABBA, like the Carpenters. There's a golden thread of pop sensibility weaving yeah. its yeah. way through everything that was done, pretty much apart yeah. from progressive rock, maybe. Now, I've always had, I've always thought the seventies as, as as not as sparkling and as not as um, exciting as the sixties. But as I've got older, I think, oh no, man, the seventies—that's where it happened, man. 
I'll be honest with you, I th- you, you've just put it into perspective for me, and I would completely agree with you. One thing I did write about the Terry Jacks tune when I listened to it was great Hammond sound, which harks yeah. back to the 60s. But yeah, what yeah. a belt, you know. And I was thinking, you know, kids are drawn to like sparkly things. A couple of people on the show have talked about Shawadi Waddy. I mean, to be fair, they were crap, but I mean, yeah. people were drawn to the. The sort of catchy choruses and sparkly suits, you know, and 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 the Terry Jacks tune has got one of them choruses that you can imagine kids singing along to, and like kids are drawn to Beatles tracks because they've got fucking ace choruses. But this is a belting song, do you not think? In between that, the, the, this is probably why I remember it, and this is why I, why I why I was drawn to it. Because da, 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 you know yeah. what I mean? Was, and yeah. then um, I, 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 and. You know, and the thing is, with when you're a kid, you, you get you get uh, um, attracted to things that are catchy, and you get attracted to things that are a bit macabre and a bit scary as well, don't you? So, yeah, yeah. Anything that sort of like um, piques your interest, because you have no, you're not part of anything. So it's it's you have no pretensions or inhibitions. It's just yeah. things that attract you, like a magpie looking for sparkly stuff. If you know <laughs> what I mean? That's how I see it, anyway. When you heard this, was it your, was it your parents playing it? Was it on the radio or something? Like radio. That? It would have been radio. It would have been uh, Kenny Everett or Noel Evans on Radio One, wouldn't it? You know, it would have been that. Right, okay. So we're talking like mid seventies. Mid seventies. Yeah, yeah. It would have been that. I, I, I've always had like my, my first memory of music. What was this? You know. Or, or two little boys by Ralph Harris, maybe. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. It, this is it's the one. over him these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so as a as a preteen, did you was were you in a discovery phase of music, or was it all just listening to it off other people? If you get me, I was I was very lucky um, because my dad. Had a great taste in music, and he had shitloads of, of vinyl. Um, and he loved his um, he loved his sixties soul, um, as well as you know the Beatles and Elvis, and but as well as kind of croony stuff. He loved Johnny Mathis, and he loved um, uh, who else? He loved Charles Aznavour and Barbara Streisand as well, uh, Judy Garland. Uh, but, and he loved a lot of old records. He loved a lot of Sarah Vaughan, Ella Fitzgerald. But he, he loved everything, to tell, the truth, to tell you the truth. He loved a lot of soul, as I said. So I had a big, big, big load of records that I could just get out and play. But also my brother, uh, who was two and a half years older than me, um, he was he was really into his music. He was quite sort of he was definitely on the spectrum, my brother, and uh, he was quite particular. And uh, you know, and all his singles were in order and very neat and all in bags. And uh, and he 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 was really into specific bands and he'd go through phases where he would just immerse himself and get every single record by this band. And uh, the three bands that I remember were the Jam, Bauhaus, and Japan. Yeah. Which are bizarre, really, that they're three kind of very kind of different bands from different kind of genres, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but but he was, and he's really into his Northern Soul. I think that came off the back of the Jam thing. He he became a mod. It does lead you that way. I I, I did that much late, at a later date. I can't, I'm I'm not 
I'm a, I think I'm a relatively similar age to you, but I got into that. Uh, but you do go in through the through the jam into into sort of northern soul and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's it. Through the jam, you get into the Who and Small Faces and things like that. It's that that, that that's what a, a good band does. Is that they're they're an entry point into into other music, I guess. Um, but 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 that's but that was it. I, I would I would have my brother's record collection, and I and I'm. And I remember, because, um, uh, and that's it, so I kind of didn't need to buy my own music. I, I wasn't in that situation where I was dying. I, I just had so much music I could play. Um, yeah. And and my brother would always be making tapes, various mixtapes, and and uh, and I'd be making various mixtapes and all the different vinyl. You know, I'd spend a Saturday just making tapes up of different stuff, you know. Um, so so that, I was very lucky in that sense. Um, but... Um, but 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 my brother, yeah, I've got I've got him to thank for 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 a lot of my early music. Yeah, I had an older sister at a similar time, and she did the same thing. And one of the band, you know, Bauhaus or one of them for me. And um, but I'm looking at your three choices for when you were a preteen, and the first one that springs to mind, you've you've mentioned Quiet Life by Japan. Oh yeah, it it doesn't age that. I love that tune even now. <laughs> Oh, I swear to you, I had this on earlier, and I've in my notes I've put that. Um, I mean, I I'm, I love Duran Duran. Yeah, put, yeah. I put that this sounds more like Duran Duran than they do. That was that was my notes for this particular track. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's the thing, though. I think Japan, Japan kind of preempted. Yeah, they preempted because um, Quiet Life was seventy nine. Seventy nine, yeah. Was it seventy? Oh, no, nineteen eighty. No, sorry, nineteen eighty. Which is amazing, really, because 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 Duran Duran was, I suppose, that was eighty eighty one, was it? That was eighty one. Yeah, New Romantics. Yeah, they started in about eighty one, eighty two. But that that keyboard, I mean, I'm 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 going to sound like a, a total non muso here for not knowing the uh, the effect of that keyboard, that the Giorgio Morodo kind of um, sound that Quiet Life's yeah. got, and also um, Planet Earth had as well. You can imagine it on Duran Duran's first album, can't you? Which is a couple of years later. It's like it's like you say, it's a it's a it's a nod of the head to to the New Romantics that would come just a couple of years later. I think. Yeah, I mean. And also, what was interesting is that, is that um, Roxy Music, who were a massive influence on a lot of these new romantic bands, like Bowie was, um, they in turn got influenced by the new romantic bands. Right. And, and he listened to a lot of their output around that time, um, like Dance Away, uh, Same Old Scene, uh, which are great tunes. That was yeah. definitely inspired by japan and a lot of those early new romantic bands you know um yeah. and i love that I, lo- I love it when bands get re-inspired by the bands that they've inspired if you know what i mean bowie did it yeah certainly. totally totally uh, you know uh so um uh yeah that, that that early so i mean it's they, they kind of get overlooked a little bit japan i think they do don't they i mean david sylvia ended up carving out his own solo career didn't he and because he's like a sort of like a almost a Ambient kind of yeah yeah. I mean, Japan went that way, didn't they? With um, it's Richard Barbieri's keyboards. He ended up in Porcupine Tree, but they did. Yeah. They ended up all soundscapey and based on. Yeah, you're right. They started off in that kind of like more Duran Duran than Duran Duran, and ended up more sort of ambient, creating soundscapes. And I think that's Richard Barbieri and David Sylvian. They 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 were an odd band. 
They were an odd band. And if you think about it, they, they, they managed to get a song like Ghosts on top of the pops. <laughs> that's a brilliant track. I mean, that's really gothy, isn't it? Do you not think Ghosts is a bit Bauhaus-y? You oh, know, you're totally. saying there were no links, but... Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, one of my favourite songs by them is a song called Night Porter. I don't know if you know that song. I don't know uh, that one, no. It, it was it was around the time of Ghosts. And it's amazing. It's very kind of Jacques Brel, Berlin-type sound to it. Yeah. Um, and I remember trying to play on the piano and i think i can <laughs> um well badly not got a piano next to you matthew have you no 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 you have to pay extra for that okay okay another band you mentioned is i would say oh my god these are one of the best british bands i, I can think of and even if you walked onto a dance floor now they would fill it when you heard the opening bars of gino uh-huh. yeah. Oh God, yeah. Dexter's been out running. So I mean, it, it's really interesting to see um, how many people love Dexter's. <laughs> yeah, just from all different type people you wouldn't expect. I saw um, there's a journalist called Simon Price who's um, yeah. who, who was who was again a bit goffy, a bit new romantic. That that was his oeuvre, as it were, at the Melody Maker. Big Manix fan. I think he he tried to start the Romo genre that didn't get anywhere uh and uh uh you know uh i, I you know we're, we're friends on facebook and uh, and that's as much as it goes but I, I like to see his posts every so often but um but he's a massive Dexys fan and i would never have guessed that but of course he is because he loves music uh you know and, and alan from shed seven who's a, who's a mate of mine massive Dexys fan and, and just the, the 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 breadth of people that love Dexys. It's amazing. Pete Perfide is uh, another journalist who, um, you know, he's just, just written a really, really good book, um, uh, and Broken Greek. And uh, uh, he's a massive Dexys fan. And it really is that they, they were, they, they were, they were really, really something special as a band. And I think I might have mentioned it in, in, in my notes to you is that even though I love the jam and, um, you know, the, the, the jam kind of meant more to me then. Or, or they were more accessible to be then, maybe because they did more albums. Maybe. Do you, do you think? I mean, Dexys. I mean, the 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 album that the song we're talking of is off. Is, it's off searching for the young soul rebels, isn't it? Which song did I put? You put Gino. Oh, Gino. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but they're very they're steeped in that sort of like soul. It's almost. I mean, the music they do isn't isn't Northern Soul, but it's sort of like it is. It's got sort of like roots in old sixties Motown, hasn't it? Yeah. Texas. But I mean, there's that pop sensibility that we talked about about the seventies running through Dexes, and I think that's why people like them. I think that you know, if you think about something like uh, the second Common Eileen, for example, oh, which would fill a floor at any wedding, love it. you could imagine. They have that pop sensibility, don't they? But they also had a punk sensibility. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing about them is that they came out of that new wave thing. And yes, they were soul, but but they, but they were totally by themselves, totally unique. His lyrics and and his passion and um, he had a great sense of humour as well with it, and that's a, a real arrogance. I mean, you listen to the lyrics. So, I mean, the reason I've told Gino is because. You know, that's the track that I remember when I was a kid, you know, in a playground when it got to number one. And I remember, where, you know, me and my mates would go, hold your nose, and we'd all hold our noses, you know. And, uh, 
And, the uh, intro to that song, Matthew, though, I just remember hearing it when we used to hear it at indie clubs in the 90s. And you'd hear the intro of that and you'd just storm to the dance floor. Uh, it, it's still now. I mean, that's the thing, is it two number ones with Gino and Come On Arlene? And, uh, and I've always talked to Peter Feedies about this, is that one thing I didn't realise is that both songs have a feel change okay. in them. And Gino is, is like a swing. Uh, no, it changes tempo, doesn't it? It goes into that. Uh, well, it doesn't change tempo. It changes it feel. So it goes from right. which is like a swing into into straight four four in the chorus. Right. Okay. Yeah. Come on, Eileen does the same kind of thing. Yes, it does. Yeah. Into da 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 da, and it that has a feel change as well. And you think they were quite? They were really. They they weren't. Um, they weren't fucking about really. They, they they were really putting in some really interesting ideas. And you listen to their albums, and uh, this is a great thing about Dexas. It's like, I mean, Gina wasn't actually on In Search of Young Soul Rebels. It actually wasn't. I think it was. Is on, it not? I thought it was. No, 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 no. On the original album, I don't think it was on there. It's only just stuck only, it on recently. Yeah, it's only been put on the reissues. Uh, that it was on, but I don't think it was on the first uh, Insert Songs of Rebels. Um, I think it was one of those things. I think bands did that back then. Like the jam, they had like, they had All Around the World, When We Were Young, Strange Town. They had all these songs that weren't on albums. Um, Precious, I don't think it was on an album um, uh, by the jam. And I think Dexes were the same. I think they had uh, songs that weren't on albums because they were just standalone singles. Madness did the same. I was, do you know, I'm so glad you mentioned Madness. I was about to say this. When you think about Dexes, right, and you think about Madness, and I will include the specials, yeah. and I will even include early UB40. Oh, I love UB40. It's fucking fantastic. Like, <laughs> having been in a band myself and that, I can't imagine being 18, however, however young these guys, and getting the shit together to do the, or- you know, like, for want of a better word, the orchestration of how Madness would put, tune together when they were that young and how Dexys did with the brass and yeah. just the structures of the songs and the pop sensibilities and the bits where there's brass. It's incredible if you think about it. Oh, yeah. So some of the madness pop tunes, like, um, like Wings of a Dove um, and Our House, uh, House of Fun. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're real popular ones, but the songs of the first album, Night Boat to Cairo, stuff like that, no, really well-constructed songs. Dexes. I mean, you listen to those first, any of their albums, their first three, Don't Stand Me Down, I would I would put up there with their first two albums, but of course it was a snack called The Lost Classic, uh, the one that came after 2 That's a phenomenal album. But but again, the, the, the songwriting and the structure and the arrangements. Yeah. And I even like the theme from Brushstrokes, to be fair. <laughs> you know. Because of you. <laughs> Do you know, on... <laughs> On an earlier cast, we spoke about um, his creation album yes, and how nobody bought it. And I've revisited that recently, and I think he's a criminally, criminally underrated vocalist. Uh, but but but, but it, it has been revisited because it's just been re-released on Cherry yes, Red. Yes, it's been re-released, yeah. Uh, and you can... uh, uh, Cherry Red. And, um, and I think it's getting lots of respect now. Uh, yeah. Of course, because he was years ahead, uh, you know, dressing as a woman, very much ahead of the, the whole zigeist of zigeist of trans debate and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, but now I, I, 
I really like that album. Um, um, yeah. Ragdoll on that album. I've um, I've cried to that. The bit at yeah. the end where he where he's saying, um, "Listen to that. That's the choir. They're singing just for you." And especially when you hear about what the album's all about, is him coming out of his addiction um, and 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 him kind of singing the songs to himself in a way. Um, yeah. And uh, it's it's really quite a moving album, you know. There's some really good stuff. There's some silly stuff on there. Yeah, really. I think though, he, he, I think Alan McGee described it as punk, in the truest essence of the word punk. How he just went right. Look at me on the front cover of this, and he yeah. just did whatever he wanted to do. Admit, you know, the covers, but they, I mean, the vocals are incredible. He just stuck himself on the front cover in suspenders. But and does Alan McGee just went punk. Alan McGee calls everything punk. No, no, um, no, fair enough. Yeah, it was like it was like punk, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love Alan McGee. He's he's great. He's great company. Uh, Have you I met him yet? Yeah. Oh, he's, oh, he's incredible company. He really is, and now you can see why. Um, he got so many bands, so many dis- different type bands, different bands with lots of different attitudes, all to sign to his label. You know, you think some of them, Super Animals, who were one of my favorite bands. And Primal Scream, Jesus and Mary Chain, Teenage Fan Club, My Brother they all, they all, adorable. Follow, yeah, they all, <laughs> they all, Whoa, you're laughing at adorable, <laughs> Piotra, um, uh, yeah, I, I always, um, I, you know, he's a very, very likable, likable man, very, very charismatic, um, yeah. so you can see why he uh, got House of Love, of course, as well, you know. Oh, God, I love the House of Love, love the House of Love. Uh, I've actually got an interesting story with uh, uh, another one, another music business character like Alan McGee um, is the guy um, who started Heavenly uh, Records and uh, and was around all that, whose name is, fuck, Jeff. Oh, God, it's awful. It's awful that I've forgotten his name. Jeff Barrett, there you go. Uh, I was Jeff going to Google for you, but yeah, Jeff Barrett, okay. Jeff Barrett, uh, and he, he's as legendary as Alan McGee in the sense that he, I think he introduced Promo Screen to Ecstasy. Um, I think he was the press officer for for Chemical Brothers, Primal Scream. Uh, you know, he he kind of had signed the Mannix. Um, he, he, he was around, you know, the Rockin' Birds who were famous yeah. Country band of mine, um, everyone. You know, what I mean, he, he was around the whole time. Um, and uh, I went to a heavenly social um, night. Uh, it's a night that he, he used to put on in London, and I was uh, I was quite enhanced. Let's say it was a New Year's Eve. I was rather enhanced. Um, my mood was <laughs> enhanced. And um, and they played Seven Days Too Long, um, which is Dex's. They covered it. And they played it, but it was the original. And I went, hang on, this isn't the Dex's version. And me being a little bit uh, naive, um, I sort of went up to Jeff and I went, uh, "What? Well, this isn't, so this is, this is the original. He went, yeah, mate, this is, this is Chuck Wood who did the original. Dex's was just a cover. And now I was never a massive mate of, uh, of Jeff Barrett at all. I kind of knew him for being around and stuff. He was not necessarily a massive fan of Dodgy. He liked us. Uh, we didn't really have any dealings. I'd just see him around, you know. Didn't really go out any nights with him. Again, just see him around. So we were just, you know, friends in that kind of sense. You know, I knew him across the dance floor. But I went up to him and talked to him about this. And he said, yeah, this is Chuck Wood. He did the original. I went, all right. Um, two months later, um, 
Fuck knows how he found my address. Fuck knows anything. A parcel came to the post, and it was a seven-inch single of Chuck Wood, Seven Days Too yeah. Long, with a note from Jeff Barrett saying, Christmas comes early, Matthew. Love wow. Jeff. No, that's cool, man. How fucking cool is that? In it? No. <laughs> and I just went, well, why has he sent me that? I, I, don't, I don't speak to him from one month to the next. I don't, you know what I mean? I'll just see him around. He's clocked your address, remembered you like something, and fucking sent yeah. it to you. That's incredible. How fucking cool is that? And again, really cool. and again, that's why people would go with Jeff Barrett. And that's why this, all was... these bands would go with Jeff. People that can do that, you're going to gravitate to, aren't you? You yeah. are going to gravitate to them. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is the whole thing about these, the, 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 about the record industry. You've got these great artists and these great musicians and whatnot. But what people forget a lot of the time is the people behind the scenes, they had to be equally charismatic. They had to be equally yeah. cool, if not cooler, but also have a level head on them somehow. Yeah. To, to be able to attract these people. Because if you're going to work with these crazy musicians, you've got to be cool yet crazy at the same time. And, you know, and Jeff Barrett and and, um, and Alan McGee certainly were like that, you know. There's one thing, wanting to do what Jeff did, and there's the other thing doing it, though, because I can't remember my mum's name at the best of times. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Let totally. alone her address. I can yeah. drive to her house, can't remember her address. So he's yeah. done well there, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Christ, no wonder he got, you know, got where he did. Should we talk about your third track of your pre-teens, Matthew, which is um, a wonderful band? Go on. Um, you forgot, but I will remind you. You'll have to remind me. No, 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 I will remind you. The Jam. Yeah. And it's When You're Young, which I've also had on today. Uh, yeah. You know, I, talk, I mentioned the, the Jam and I was talking about Dexes. As I said, they, they were kind of a bit more accessible to me. Now, I love Dexes and the Jam, but I think because the Dexes only really had two albums, whilst the Jam had fucking five, you know what I mean? This is off- so much, there was so much Jam. <laughs> this is off 1979 setting Suns, which is their fourth album. When I was yeah. looking up this today, I am astounded by that. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that is probably. How old was he in 1979? I got a fucking. Oh, 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 oh yeah, no, I know he was. He was like 20, 21, something like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I no, that whole output by the jam in that period was was. And I think that's why, in a way, he, he wanted to go and form the Star Council. It's a great documentary yeah. about the Star Council, actually. Seen uh, it? Yeah, yeah on I BBC, the BBC documentary. I don't know. I saw it on Sky. I've got, I've got Now TV, so I saw it on Sky, uh, and and it, and it was really interesting. And, it, and I think it was that. It was just the album tour, album tour, relentless yeah. cycle that, that that made him want to go, oh, fuck all that. I've done five albums now, you know. I, it was I, I, definitely a reaction was... to the jam, wasn't it, the Style Council, but still yeah. really, really good. Oh, I love the Style Council. I went to see him on, yeah. on the Cafe Blurter. But, I, but again, I'm, I'm not sure if When You're Young was on setting songs i think it might I, be have on i got re- it wrong again don't tell me i'm wrong no again. no 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 you're probably right in the fact that it was on a reissue probably but i think when you're young uh all around the world strange town i think that these are the are singles that the, the, the jam released that weren't actually on albums okay it was around uh, think- that time when you're young it was around the eating rifles time uh, uh, and uh, setting songs time but i've got a feeling that when you're young wasn't on that album 
Okay, right. I'll stand corrected, but um, no, no, no. I mean, like I've just I've looked at it, and it, it is now. But I mean, you you're probably right. You were there. I mean, you remember uh, it. I mean, I was there too, but I was listening to different stuff. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I know. I mean, like that's that's what I've that's what I've heard. But I mean, what a bloody brilliant song! And for somebody that age, I, I it, like we referred to earlier. It's, it's quite incredible, I think. Quite incredible. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the it's that lyric in there as well. Life is a drink, and you get drunk when you're young, which I just love. I love that lyric. Um, and and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I mean, I've got a confession to make. I, I mean, I love the Style Council, the first albums certainly, uh, and bits and bobs after that. I, I lost lost touch with them a little bit after after the second album, um, and I loved all the jam stuff. Maybe yeah. not. This is a modern world so much <laughs> in the city so much. But I loved album three to five, certainly. Yeah. Um, All Mod Cons, obviously, is the classic. Setting All Mod Cons, I've got that on, on vinyl, and oh, it's just a great, it's just a great album. A but great album. Is it six albums? It's in the city, modern world, All Mod Cons, Setting Suns, Sound Effects, Gift. It was six albums. Yeah. Six and then he moves on to the Style Council, which are a great 80s pop band. You know, oh, hang on. It was six albums in the space of, I think it was six albums in the space of like four years. Yeah, I think they released, yeah. I mean, he was doing like one every, he was doing two every one and a half years, something like that when I looked it up. It was ridiculous. Which ridiculous. is a bit like uh, when you look back at Zeppelin when they did uh, Zeppelin 1, 2 and 3. I think they did Zeppelin 1, 2 and 3 in the space of 18 months. Yeah, one, two, Those three, were... four. I think they did in the space of eighteen, but they recorded certainly. I think the release of Led Zeppelin one and the recording of Led Zeppelin four was all in the space of eighteen months, and that also reminds me of a lot of Bowie. Like apparently, Bowie. I've just read that. Uh, well, I've just read it. I, I took fucking years to read it, like I do. But David Buckley did a brilliant book called Strange Fascination about Bowie, and uh, and the um, and he recorded. Ziggy Stardust at the same time as Hunky Dory. Uh, he was all... right? No, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's fucking, it's fucking mind-blowing. He recorded <laughs> he recorded Ziggy Stardust at the same time as he was recording Life on Mars and Changes. But what he did, he in his head, he went, No, this is for this album, but this is more this is more for that album. And so it was all. So he wrote all those songs for Ziggy and Hunky Dory, pretty much within within fucking year. I mean, he was a genius, though, wasn't he? Oh, oh, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, you know, we're, we're going off topic here anyway. We're talking well, about the chat. It's good. It's good content, though. I just remember what I was watching a show the other night, fully enough, and I, I do love this album, but I just. Um, um, Seeds of Love, Tears for Fears. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They brilliant. took three years to mix yeah. that. And now, yeah. you know, like you're talking about, they rattling, Bowie was rattling off those two. Yeah, different no, times, exactly. I think. I think. No, exactly. And, and, and they were given, they were told that they could, you know. And, and about, I was seeing the other day that, um, that they wanted, they wanted a big Phil Collins type drum sound for Woman in Chains. So they went, yeah, so let's just get Phil Collins in, yeah. <laughs> So they got Phil Collins in. Did they and really? He, right. Yeah, Are you telling? Is that Phil Collins on that seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Collins played on Woman in Chains. You know. So let's get Phil Collins in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we need a kind of a, a space rocket sound for for this song. So let's fucking get a space rocket. Yeah. And it's like fuck off. You know what I mean? Fuck off. I'm more was a fan of what more of the kind of Slade 
kind of idea of recording. Yeah, it's a great story oh. to say. Uh, I, I, I had the great pleasure of um, spending some time in Noddy Holder a few times. Um, I think because he liked Underrated liked singer Matthew Noddy Holder. Oh, a fucking great songwriter. And he told me a great story where uh, where that they were they were doing a mix for you know whatever it was when we were all crazy now or something and the A&R man came down to the studio and the A&R man went shit you know uh, I think the vocal needs to be a bit louder and maybe uh, (coughs) and maybe the guitar in the in the in the in the the second chorus needs to come up and they went all right mate yeah all right great Uh, come back in a couple of hours and we'll sort it for you and the A&R man left and the band said to the engineer said uh, Rob, we're going to the pub. Just speed it up two BPM. Uh, we're going to the pub. <laughs> so I went to the pub, came back two hours later. All they did was speed the track up two BPM. The their NR man was like, "Yeah, that sounds so much better, guys." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to get Phil Collins in. You know what I mean? <laughs> Christ, yeah. I'd love to get Phil Collins in to do my bits. To be fair, yeah. Yeah. you know. Great drummer, Phil, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can't knock it. Yeah. So, Matthew, of your preteens, we're getting to the end of your preteens, nominate one band that represents your preteens then. Uh, see, I love Dex's more now. I listen to Dex's a lot more now than I do the jam. Uh, um, <clears throat> There's one other band you've mentioned here. Uh, yeah, jam and Dex's, yeah, is that right? Dude with a white stripe across his face. Oh, Adam and the Ants. Yes. I yes. love Adam and the Ants. I love yeah, me too. Them. I did. That day, I was I was listening to Mark Riley the other day, and he was saying that they were actually um they were actually the early Adam and the Ants, like Dirk Wears White Socks and Car Trouble. They were actually really quite punk, really quite edgy. Yeah. Didn't they have two drummers? I think so, yeah. They had they had um Wasn't it Bow Wow Wow? Before Bow Wow Wow. Well, Marco Merrick. Were, I'm doing. I'm doing the ant rap now. Marco Merrick. Yeah, no, you are right. Yeah, Marco Merrick and uh, Gary Tibbs. I think Merrick and Gary Tibbs were the drummers, and Merrick was. Here you go. How about this for a fucking link? You're gonna fucking love me. Uh, Merrick, I think, is Chris Thomas, who produced Tears for Fears. Oh, get in. Yes. Check that out. Fucking get in. Get so I think, yeah, I think Merrick is Chris Thomas, who also produced really good friends of mine who I played with for a few years, Electric Operate. Um, and he produced oh, God, I forgot about them. They're fucking ace. Yeah, fucking great band, yeah. And I think yeah, Merrick is actually Chris Thomas who produced that, I think. So, yeah. I did not know that. I've got one yeah, of their albums yeah. on CD. Oh, great band. Great band. Yeah, phenomenal, great band. phenomenal songwriters, um, Alex and Tom. Phenomenal. Let's take you into your teenage oh, yeah, years, I'm Matthew. Choose one, haven't I? No, I'm not going to choose one. I'm not going to yeah, choose I thought, one. I, no, I thought you'd chosen Adam and the Ants. No, no. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I'll tell you what. No, you can. You can have Dexes. Listen, on the pro, on the playlist, there's going to be a Dexes. There's going to be an Adam and the Ants. Brilliant. So you can have both. That's Brilliant. what you put down on your notes anyway. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Let's take you into your teenage years. And what I always ask people, we go out of order here because there's a point in your teenage years where most people become part of a scene. And it could be when you're 13, it could be when you're 18. So I've asked you, were you part of a scene in your teenage years? Um, yeah, in the sense of like when I, when I was 11, 12, um, initially 
I was kind of into two-tone, purely because a lot of the discos that I'd go to, the school discos and the parties I'd go to, they'd play loads of the beat, Madness and Specials and Selector. The beat, I love the beat. I've been listening to the beat I had a bit recently, and they're not really scarred at all. <laughs> they're more kind of world beats, if anything, you know. Okay. I listened to um, Too Nice to Talk To, and there's not a scar beat there. It's it's very they're, – they're way ahead of their time, the beat. Brilliant band. Did the beat do the boxer beat? No, that was the Joe Boxers. Oh, God, Christ. Yeah, that okay. was the Joe Boxers, um, who, who, who had a drummer – um, I can't remember his name. It'll probably come to me. Well, he was a real pioneer of the house scene in London. I remember liking that track. Yeah, oh, yeah, great. And they also um, they had another song. It was all boxing. But they also uh, just got lucky. Just got lucky. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they were. Very I took you off kilter here, haven't I? I've led you. Very much, very much inspired by Dexes to Joe Boxes. They had that Dexes sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah, they do. So yeah, so originally it was it was Scar, um, and I, I would have the Harrington jacket and the loafers, yeah. um, and um, two tone trousers, Fred Perry's, uh, yes. and I, and I was you know I was in 10, 10, 11, 12 when I was dressing like that, um, but then very very quickly New Romantic came along as well, okay. so I was kind of a hybrid <laughs> between <laughs> New Romantic and two tone in Birmingham. Which was kind of allowed in Birmingham. You gotta you gotta understand. So in Birmingham, I was kind of like a new romantic two-tone kid, if you know what I mean. So yeah. so um, but it's amazing, you know what I mean? All these different genres coming along. And um, but but I think what it was with the new romantic thing, because I'd always loved Japan and um, but I, I did love Depeche Mode and Japan and ABC and fucking love the human league. I love that day. God, oh. I remember getting dare and oh, darkness on dare. Christ. Oh God, it's it's Stephen now, it's such a phenomenal love. It sounds organic, it sounds analog. I mean It's really... just incredible. I, mean, I I heard someone saying the other day that Dare is a selection of singles rather than an album. Yeah. And I would I've always listened to it as an album personally. I just think it just flows really well. It's, it's oh no no I thought you meant that as a, as a compliment a collection of singles as well, no he meant it as a compliment I would disagree I think it flows as an album I could tell you you know when I listen to it I know what's coming up and I think it flows yeah. as an album this guy was saying it's a collection of singles and I thought yeah, yeah no, I may have a point no 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 because no. there are some tracks on there as you said like darkness that aren't singing. seconds God. yeah 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 oh, about amazing. John Lennon oh is that what it is oh. yeah it's about John Lennon getting shot yeah it was a tribute to John Lennon yeah um. They're a big influence on ABBA, apparently, Human League. <laughs> so really? Yeah. Or the other way around. ABBA were a big influence on ABBA. were a big influence on the Human League, and the Human League, in turn, were a big influence on ABBA. Oh, right. So it was like a fuck. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, again, is a bit like Roxy Music in Japan, you know. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, the, yeah, so the New Romantics, but, but the Human League, do you remember the remix album, Love Unlimited? No, I've not heard that, no. Oh, yeah. I remember going on holiday to Scotland with the family and we'd, we'd be playing that and my brother would be putting that. And, and it's, it's a remix of Dare, but I think they re- remix it themselves. And it's amazing. Love Action from that is a... Is, oh, Love Action is a great song. Oh, great it's amazing. Song. Just you know, think about uh, all the songs on the album and then and then, and then then you go, oh, it's amazing, you know, open your heart and don't you want it. When, when we used to go on holiday, we had tapes in the car and, and my dad used to tape vinyls you know and put them on put them on tapes and we play them in the car and darkness 
on dare was jumped and it 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 recorded a jump and it was like go light go light go light going far away and it did it for about eight bars and i for until now i always expect that to happen (laughs) if you know what i mean it's ingrained in my life like go go going far away Oh, God. I've had that where I'd be listening to a tape and then my only version of a tape was something that my brother had recorded and it, and it was like an old Northern Soul compilation uh, and it was and it was um, it, it was the toys um, how gentle is the rain that falls at the other lover's concerto and he started it like a bar into the song you know you hear you hear this, yeah. And I thought that's how it started, and I heard it just like that. I heard it a couple of years ago, and I went, "Fuck!" It's Fuck. weird, isn't it? There's, there's an intro to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Shit! No, I know. It is Love weird. It, it is Love weird. It. So, so basically, yeah, I was, I was kind of had the two tone thing, but then. But then the new romantic thing really took hold. I mean, because there were so many great bands around, you know, as I said. Yeah. Soft Cell, fucking hell. That first oh, album man. was incredible. Non-stop erotic cabaret. I loved that album. Mark Armand, another underrated singer, Matthew, oh, I think. And songwriter, you know, Torch. Say Hello, Wave Goodbye is oh, the vocals on that. But as a song, it's so amazing. It's, again, it stands up that song. But yeah, anyway, yeah. there's so many great, so many great bands around. As I said, Depeche Mode, ABC, Human League, Soft Cell, um, all the stuff that Vince Clark did. You have to, yeah, but, Vince Clark. Yeah, people diss the eighties, but Christ, you know, oh God, it's wrong. It's totally 80, wrong. Eighty-two, eighty-three was a phenomenal period for British music. I mean, yeah. phenomenal. I mean, Culture Club were coming in them. Wham were coming in them. Love them or hate them, but they were really fresh and exciting for for me. You've got to love George Michael, man. Yeah. You've got to love George Michael. Absolutely. But so, so, and also, the thing is, um, the two-tone thing died pretty much. Very quickly around 1981, I think, uh, and and that's when the two tone thing, uh, the new romantic, thing. and all the girls were really into new romantic. You know, all the girls were really into Culture Club and Duran Duran. So that kind of fucking was a no brainer for me. So, interestingly, yeah. Duran Duran's one of your choices, Matthew. Well, yeah, because because um, you know they were really they they, they were they were really important back then. You know, I mean, I saw. Yeah. Them Three times. I think I saw him Did twice. Did you see him? Yeah, in their early days. I saw him twice on the Rio tour in, in, in at the Birmingham Odeon. I saw, I saw him once when Simon Le Bon <laughs> was doing during Hungry Like the Wolf. Um, he was. Um, That's my favourite Duran Duran song, other than Ordinary World, by the way. Just like to interject. <laughs> And uh, and there's a big kind of like that big drum fill, and he was running from the back of the stage because they had sort of walkways and platforms and stuff. You know, of course they did. They were fucking director. The Birmingham Odeon, which was like a small kind of theatre, really. And uh, and they uh, and they walked back, and he and he, he did this big thing where he was going to run from the back of the stage and jump at the microphone, and he fucking. Missed. <laughs> And smack right into the speaker stack. <laughs> and I was what thirteen, and at thirteen, I thought, "You can't." 
<laughs> Even at 13, I was thinking, you cunt. But, uh, but no, it's again, it's, I don't think I'd have gone three times to see them if, if it was girls in the older year, the girls in the year above me were all into Joanne Joanne and Culture Club. And so I, so I, and they were all like, oh, you're cute. Look at you, just new romantic. Because I, I had some kind of fucking hair that looked a bit like Roger Taylor from Joanne Joanne. And they were like, oh, yeah. And they said, do you want to come drink Joanne Joanne with us? I was like, yeah. So I, 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 that was it. You know, as it, is, as it is with always, it's you go where the girls go, you know. Yeah, especially at that age. But you've chosen, right? You've chosen Save a Prayer, okay? Oh, yeah. And I cannot go through a podcast without linking Duran Duran to the Osric Tentacles, okay? Which <laughs> I can link to you too, as we know. But I swear to you, and I've said this on previous podcasts, if you take Simon Le Bon's vocal off, Save a prayer. It's the Osric tentacles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's all I'm, I'm saying. I mean, for, for respect to Nick Rhodes, Nick Rhodes was was Brilliant. really quite a uh, uh, quite a practitioner of the old keyboards. You know, he he really knew what he was doing. They all know? knew the chops, Matthew, didn't they? That band, they could yeah. play. Oh yeah, absolutely, they're, absolutely. They're all great players. That's the that's the thing that they, you know, with they were this crazy crazy pop band but but they wrote and played everything themselves you know in your in your i mean looking i mean we've not mentioned some of these yet but a lot of your choices are great singers where would oh, you rate simon Le Bon in there not very high <laughs> no okay i'm no, interested not, i mean like you know not very high no not very high he, he, okay. he's not got a great voice <laughs> you know uh he's uh, but he was not really about the singing he did but he, he, he was right for the band you know what i mean yeah it wouldn't have sounded right if they found a soul voice or rod stewart kind of on top no. you needed a kind of you know uh an unusual kind of voice you know uh, plastic type voice going on there, uh, and and it worked for the band. I mean, and and Duran were great for that period. And I remember I saw them at the um, Birmingham City Football Ground because they got right. very big, very very quickly. There after Rio, they just went stratospheric. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and, and they had that song. Please, please tell, tell me, now. me now. Which I remember going. I remember again at the age of fourteen, thinking, "Hmm, this is a bit shit." That's a, uh, do you know that's a great song, isn't it? Actually? Do you like? Um, I'm like, no. Mm, Is there something mm. I should know? I started going off from around there. We could have and harmonised there, Matthew. You know, we were on the verge of Crosby, Stills, and Nash. There. Oh yes, but uh, I remember because I, <laughs> I remember I went out and bought Seven and the Ragged Tiger <laughs> from um, from the HMV on the ramp by Boring and Burying, and I bought it, um, and I thought, well, you know. Um, because I was a fan, and I thought, well, 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 put this way, I liked Rio, so I thought, well, let's have a listen. I remember I took it back, and it's one of the first albums I took back. You took it, back? I took it back. Wow. And I, I may have said I don't like it, shit. Or, <laughs> or, so we've got Wild Boys on that one. Uh, no. No? Wild no. Boys is on Arena, which is the kind of, the kind of half-live album. I'd just like to mention I don't need to revise this bit because it's not in Matthew's list, by the way. So it's okay <laughs> no, no, for me to get they, this bit they, wrong. They, uh, uh, they had the reflex. Was, uh, the, re- the reflex is on Seven Dragon Tiger. No, not actually. It was oh, New, New Moon on Monday, Union of the Snake. <laughs> I thought all this was Seven Dragon Tiger. I know Rio, Rio was my Duran Duran album. Yeah, exactly. I bet. Hungry oh, Like yes. the Wolf, Rio, yeah. Save uh, a Rio, Prayer. Save, no, Save a you know, yeah, Prayer. 
there. And what else was on there? Of course, the song Rio. Basically, the Osric Tentacles. Uh, yeah, with the song Rio as well, which is a great tune. Actually, when you speak to Andy Dunlop um, uh, from um, from Travis, uh, yes. we were we were in a, a one-off band together. Um, oh, were you? We played um, down at the Tunbridge Wells Forum uh, because there was a great there's a great um, photographer called Pat Pope who took thousands of photos. You know his name. Yeah, in the cool. NME days in the 90s and uh lovely lovely fellow and he's a friend of mine and a friend of Andy's and uh and there was a kind of and he had awful problems uh, sort of brain injury and we did a, a sort of fundraiser for him and we were in a band but it was me Andy from Travis Mark Morris from the Blue Tones uh I think Andy and Stu from Dodgy as well and we did Rio <laughs> oh god i'd love and to have heard that did rio, mark morris singing rio with andy dunlop on guitar on me um, but it's it's a tricky little fella it's, it's quicker than you think yeah I, this is my point duran duran knew the chops didn't they this is my point yeah yeah, yeah totally. totally i remember watching you opening just like as an aside i remember you guys i went to watch you and you just offhand started playing highway to hell and oh it was, yeah that's one of my favourite things ever, that watching you guys just slip into Highway to Hell. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, I think there's a YouTube clip of me me singing Highway to Hell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the, the St Albans horn, the horn of St Albans, with me singing it with Nigel on the drums. So, oh, God. Yeah, and I, I think that's best best left in, in the far corners of YouTube somewhere. Well, it wasn't at St Albans, it was somewhere else, but I enjoyed it anyhow. Yeah, I mean, you, that, that song is one of the greatest songs ever written, you know, brilliant. Fucking right. Bon Scott, best ever. Oh, anyhow, yeah. Matthew, anyhow, anyhow, you two, where do you two come into this as your third choice? Well, I've put you two in because I feel I've got to be honest, you know what I mean? And, um, and yeah, it's as I was getting into the drums, as I was getting to playing, and I was getting a little bit older, um, and... Um, I, th- I think it was the war, the war album. Certainly, was the first album I got into with um, New Year's Day and Sunday Blue Sunday and Two Hearts Beat as one. Um, I got into them then, and you know, it's mates, isn't it? You have certain mates that are into it, yeah. um, and I got really into that album, the War album. And then I went to see them on the Unforgettable Fire tour. Oh, did you? Oh, um, at, at, at the NEC in Birmingham. So that would have been fuck what nineteen eighty four. Around that time, yeah, around about that time. I thought it'd be fourteen. Um, and I remember I loved that album. I loved MLK. I loved Bad. I loved the sort of Homecoming. Um, and I, I really liked that as well. Um, and yeah, I mean back then they were cool. You know what I mean? All, all my mates were into you too. I mean, Matthew, one of my favourite albums is Acton Baby. So yeah, I, I have no. I, I just Bono was a bit of a wanker, but. Axel well, Baby for me. Yeah, Joshua I mean, Tree, Unforgettable um, Fire. Well, Don't Forget But Fire is a great album, but the Joshua Tree, when the Joshua Tree came out, I just loved the vinyl. I loved the packaging. I loved the, yeah. I loved the, I loved the sort of the, the matte black and the gold and the pictures. And um, and I just love the sound of that album. Daniel Lenoir and Eno. Yeah. And you've chosen Running to a, Running to a Standstill. Yeah, one just stand still from that album. I mean, I just loved that album, the Joshua Tree. I did play that to death. So that would have been nineteen eighty-five. What about that encapsulates that period of time for you? 
Uh, yeah, well, I, I think uh, because I went to see them as well at Wembley Stadium. I think they released a bunch of dates. I mean, that album was so fucking massive. Mm, uh, it was, wasn't really it? It was, and it was, um, and I released a bunch of dates. And this is obviously before, um, before any kind of internet shit and phones and all that kind of. And if you wanted tickets to go and see U2 at Wembley Stadium, um, you had to go to Birmingham Odeon and queue. And so Gosh. me and my mates went to Birmingham Odeon, and, and the Birmingham Odeon were given a bunch of tickets, and if they sold those tickets, they were sold out. So me and my mates, I think, turned up at three in the morning to buy some U2 <laughs> tickets to go and see And then me and, me and four or five mates travelled down uh, to see U2 at Wembley Stadium, and it, it was where they had uh, Lone Justice, Lou Reed, and the Pogues supporting. The Pogues. I used to go and watch them every year in December. Pogues. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I, I remember that. And it was my first ever stadium show, you know. And uh, I think they came on singing Stand By Me. And I remember I got on my mate's shoulders during um, Bad or something. I remember looking around and seeing all the... And I was like, oh, my God, this is just incredible, you know. I'm good uh, with you two. I'm really good with you two. I'm really, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with him. I just think sometimes he's a bit pompous. That's all. Yeah, you know. Well, you know, I mean, I think his heart's in the right place. It's not as bad as it could be. <laughs> no, 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 it could be worse. Um, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, then they did Acton Bay, and not Acton Bay. They did um, Rattle and Hum, which again, there were some cracking songs on there. All I want Rattle is and Hum is a beast. For me, yeah, all I want is you. I think is a great, great track, silver and gold, and, and there were some live tracks on there. And then they got the shit out of shotgun. Yeah, that yeah, that's silver yeah. and gold, isn't it? Yeah, oh god, that's good, isn't uh, it? And that's a Mark, good opening lyric as well. That's a good opening yeah, gambit. Yeah, and uh, but uh, the reason I put them on there because they were they, they, they were a big part of my of my sort of 15, 16 when I was that age. I went to see them. I was, you know, playing the drums and 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 you know playing along and and they were a big part of forming me being in a band and being in bands and wanting to be in bands and um, you know they made me want to be in a band. They weren't the the reason, they were but one of the reasons, you know. And I've chosen you two because there's the, a the band called the Cult as well around at the times that I was really into. Never heard uh, of them. <laughs> but the but but you two, I think. Yeah, as I said, I'm being honest about it. And the fact that they were, they were called, you know, uh, you know, some people poo poo them, but I think, no, nah, fuck it, they're part of my life. No, I'm good. I'm good with them. I just, you know, your third choice, by the way. My my sister got off with at a party, the lead singer, and didn't <laughs> realise till she saw him on the cover of Time Bomb. Oh my god, really? Yeah, this was years ago, by the way. This is like literally at the time of Time Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so your third choice is Slow Train to Dawn, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I could any song from um, from Infected. Um, and it, it's just one of those things that, that where you – the reason why it's important to me the, the, is um, because it was the first band that me and Nigel kind of bonded over. I was, was 15 or 16, and I was in a band with some guys who were – you know, the guitarist was was lovely guy, but he was into Rothschild and um, and and punk and rock and and stuff. And uh, and Nige joined, and he was this six foot kind of guy that looked really cool. He was a few years older than me and good looking, and uh, 
uh, he was into the kind of the cult and punk and stuff. Um, but and I was a few years younger than him, and and I think within the first practice or first rehearsal where he brought him down all the audition, he said to me, "What what kind of music are you into?" And I went, "Well, I'd be like there, there." In fact, and he went, "Really?" And he sort of like we looked at each other, like you like it as well. And it was just that kind of, you know, they were a cool band. And I thought, well, if he likes they're there and I like they're there, then then this is a good thing. And yeah. so that's where we bonded and and this is where we are today. So we've got the there to thank for that, you know. Fucking right. And well, I'm so glad you did. Um did you know that Name the Cherry was backing vocals on I did, yeah. I did, I did. I did yeah. until today. Crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I could have chosen anyone off there. Uh, Sweet Bird of Truth, um, uh, Heartland, Infected, the song. They're, they're all it's great. It's got a soul vibe, though, this one, Matthew, that fits in with your other stuff, do you not think? It's yeah. got that ba, ba, yeah. back and back and back, yeah, no, no, ba, you know, no, that no, stuff. No. no, totally. I mean, the, the, the album before this as well, Soul Mining, was, uh, was a great album. Um, you know, This Is The Day and someone in the track and... Uh, uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff on that as well, but uh, the, this album really broke through for him, I think. And uh, uh, as I said, yeah, it's got that meaning for me and Nigel kind of bonding over it. Hi, it's me. Thanks so much for listening to the first part of our special with Matthew Priest from Dodgy. I hope you've enjoyed the content so far. Next part of it is coming up really soon. If you do like it, please, if you could give us a review, that would be really helpful on any of the platforms. Um, You can join our Facebook group, Everyday Music People. Or if you want to be part of the show, drop us an email. The details are on the description in the podcast. Thanks so much. See you soon.